unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. And for the audio only listeners, they don't know this, but I see a pineapple in the background today that wasn't there before. Yeah, it's um, it's part of my um, pathetic attempt to improve my background, my um, my Zoom background. I I understand that pineapples are are you know they just add a level of of goodness and and sugar um, to to any room. Nice. Okay, I have no idea what that has to do with today's episode, or if it has anything at all to do with today's episode. So I'm gonna hand it off. Okay. To well, you there's gonna be a little pop quiz at the end of the episode to see if you figured out the secret. Okay. Perfect. So what do we got on the agenda for today's podcast? Yeah. So I'm in a book discussion group. This is fairly new for me um, with one of my clients who organized it and two of his friends. And the only problem is uh, the other two friends are also podcasters. So you can imagine nobody can get a word in edgewise. But the book we were discussing last time was Jonathan Haidt's book, A Righteous Mind. And this is an especially important book right now because it offers some concrete ways to bridge the political divide that's going on in America and, and really most of the world. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to focus on something else in the book that's not especially political. Several times, the author makes a point of emphasizing that people are very concerned with what other people think about them. Now, there's all kinds of tangents that come off of that, including some cultural movements to shame people who care about what other people think about them. But that's kind of like making having a beating heart you know, politically incorrect. It's just in our DNA. It happens. Anyway, for marketers, it's a very important thing. I believe that this is something copywriters and marketers miss the mark on, which is also a shame because it's a very powerful selling tool. You couldn't say that it's unknown. You could hardly say that, but it's not very well understood by us. There are other marketers who aren't really in our tribe who do uh, understand this well. And I want to talk about that and show you how we can use this because I'm going to tell you, it's going to increase your conversion. It's going to make your copy penetrate people's minds and hearts a little better. Um, So once you see what I'm going to show you, I think you'll understand it a lot better. And by now, I'm sure you understand this. Copy is powerful you're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, so this whole idea of what other people say about you, what other people think about you, it's not an unknown sales strategy. 
But the people who seem to get this best are brand marketers. The people I say are not our tribe, assuming, defining our tribe as direct marketers, copywriters who actually go for sales as opposed to just brand awareness. And so let me give you an example of how a brand marketer uses this particular thing I went and, and, and then let's talk a little bit about the difference between brand marketers and direct marketers. I think I might have a, a new pair of metaphors for that that uh, I doubt you've ever heard it before because I just came up with it last night. All right. <clears throat> so brand marketers, I would say, are much better at using this what other people think about you angle than most direct marketers are. Not that we don't use it all, but they're really good at it. And I'm going to focus specifically on the brand marketers that make TV commercials or adverts. Now, um, to be fair, uh, this may be all that brand marketers are better at than us, but for their purposes, sometimes it's all they need to create the emotional associations they want to create for their products and their adverts and their commercials. So as I was getting ready for this podcast, I turned on the TV a couple of days ago, watched half a dozen commercials until I came upon one for a prescription med called Linzess. Linzess. Linzess is a prescription med to help people with irritable bowel syndrome who also have constipation. Well, that's what it's for, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so the commercial starts... Now, you're going to think I'm making this up. I'm not making any of this up. This is accurate, factual, objective reporting. The commercial starts with a lonely cowboy walking a horse around the yard, grabbing his stomach because of belly pain. And soon after that, I mean, seconds after that, we see a woman leaving her apartment and grabbing her abdomen, probably because she has belly pain. The important point for what I'm talking about here is that they are both alone except for the horse. There are no other people in these two scenes. We shuffle through a whole lot of shots, maybe 10 scenes, dozens of actors and extras, music, special effects. And at the end of the 60 seconds, the woman who was leaving her apartment alone, she's put on her server's smock for her job at a cafe, and she serves a cup of coffee to another woman who gets up and hugs her. Uh, and the other people at the table look like they're glad to see her at well, as well. Now, you know, the narrator is talking about all the wonderful side effects you can get, like diarrhea and so forth, from, from Linzess. But I'm talking about the pictures, the subtext, the hidden message. And the subtext is when you have constipation and belly pain, you're all alone and people don't like you. But when you take Linzess, you're popular, your problems disappear, and people are very happy, and they're glad to see you as well. Of course, that part's never spoken out loud, but it's unmistakable. Think about this, from alone and in pain to the beginning, at the beginning to socially accepted and hugged by a friend at the end. Now, if I need this product, which fortunately today I don't, um, I don't believe for a minute that Linzess is going to change my social life. Nevertheless, I get the message. 
And I'm sure this message works for whatever end is trying to be achieved because I've seen a lot of other commercials with similar plot lines. Funny, they're often for prescription drugs for um, digestive issues, but that's another conversation for another day. One thing I want to say is brand marketers are very good at creating emotional associations in people's minds with products and what the products do. And this is one example of that kind of a emotional association. There are many others, but we're, we're just going to focus on what people say about you today. Now, here's how I look at it. This is an interesting way for us direct marketers to look at brand marketers. Brand marketers are like a stork. A stork can stand on one leg, and it's a magnificent bird to look at. And there are even rumors that these birds bring new babies into the house, which no one's ever seen that. Kind of like there are rumors that brand advertising brings new customers into a business. No one's ever seen that, but lots of rumors. So the thing about the stork is the one leg it's standing on is branding. Now, direct marketing is like a three-legged stool. And the three legs are traffic, conversion, and wait for it, branding. See, branding does play a role in what we do. I call branding reputation or positioning, what people say about your business when you're not around, when they're talking to each other, when they're not in a focus group, when they're actually out in real life. And so a lot of direct marketers don't take as full advantage of branding as they could because, you know, branding something bad. And I think it is bad when it's the only leg you're depending on. Now, back to the brand marketers, they do have another leg. You know, the stork has two legs. So they can also focus on traffic or targeting their market. But the one leg they don't have that we have is conversion. So sometimes when they need conversion, they'll sneak one of us in the back door at the ad agency, you know, to actually do the dirty work of actually creating, I'm going to spell the four-letter word, I won't say it, creating A-S-A-L-E, which is, you know, a four-letter word for them and just another day at the office for us, right? (laughs) Okay, but once a direct marketer starts to understand branding and just put it in the mix with everything else we already do, that can increase your conversions even more. Okay, so uh, any comments about branding or direct marketers or storks or stools, the kind you sit on before we go? I I have a comment, but I'm going to hold off a little bit because I have a feeling that you're going to touch on something that I want to talk about, and I don't want to talk about it until after I hear what you're about to say. I think that's a fair and wise guy comment. Okay, so um, I would like to talk about the notion of what people say about you. Jonathan Haidt, again, in his book, The Righteous Mind, makes a point of mentioning how important it is, almost primarily important to people. They really care a lot about what other people say about them. Now, this is interesting. This is, you know, with the personal growth movement and uh, you know, the identity, um, identification movement and all that, 
this has come under a lot of attack. I remember back in the day, maybe 15 years ago, there was a woman, she was a preacher, but she was also a motivational speaker. And she had a talk that she would give for lots of money in front of groups. And the title of the talk was, what other people think about me is none of my business. And that's interesting, but it doesn't hold up to a logical test because if she's giving this talk in front of other people and then she's selling some products, what other people think of her is exactly her business. I mean, literally, it is her business. It's how she makes money. But anyway, yeah, you know, in a world where people get participation trophies and stuff, it's, you know, it's, it may not be fashionable to admit the truth that everyone's very concerned about what other people think about them. I mean, if you just take the words what other people think about you out and put your reputation in there, I mean, there are, there are, business, there are whole businesses online called reputation management. So, but let's see what a couple of the old masters of direct response copywriting have to say about this. So in his book, How to Write a Good Advertisement, Dick Schwab writes on page 24, there are three things that advertising can tell its readers. One, what a product is. Two, what it does. Three, what other people will say of you, think of you, do for you, how they will admire you, envy you, imitate you because of what my product can accomplish for you. All right? And as an example, he cites a successful headline from a campaign a long time ago. New cake improver gets you compliments. Now, Nathan, I know this is going to be a little personal, but um, you, you worked in the cake business at one point, did you not? I did for a while. You'd be interested in the cake improver, right? You might or might not buy it, but it definitely would grab you, right? And, and not, to, not to single you out, I mean, if I, I actually worked in a donut shop once, and I couldn't handle the teasing. My donuts were so, they looked like train wrecks. I quit. I couldn't handle it. So, again, what other people think. Uh, but I think you have the touch uh, that I don't have for beautiful baked goods. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. Gene Schwartz goes a lot deeper. It, I mean, okay, so not to diss Schwab. What he said is profound, but Gene Schwartz goes a lot deeper. He says, in Breakthrough Advertising on pages 108, 116, and 117, in his revolutionary book, Breakthrough Advertising, he says, so different from desire, it can justly be described as a second dimension of the human mind. 
It may be titled, The Logging for Identification. It is the desire of your prospect to define himself to the world, to express the qualities within himself that he values and the positions he has attained. But we cannot do this openly, verbally. We cannot go around boasting how virile we are or how rich we are. So we symbolize these prestige claims. We express them in terms of products, and we buy the products that express them. Now, I want to do something important here. I want to unravel status symbols like um, a Ferrari from products that change and improve what people say about you and think about you, like the cake improver that gets you compliments. They're different. But in either case, the same thing is true. These products and the impressions they create really don't have all that much to do with how the person buying them feels about themselves by themselves. It's only in relation to other people. It's only when the opinions of other people come into play that these products become valuable in terms of the impressions they create. Now, before I give the example about how to use the same thing in direct response, without, you know, mounting a huge Hollywood production like Lincess did for its commercial. Do you want to make your point now or are we yes. still going to have to wait? Okay. Oh, perfect. I am going to bring up two websites that I think do this masterfully. Uh, Jay Peterman is, I don't know who writes their copy, but they are amazing at this. And Stour, uh, Stour is another company. They do watches, jewelry, stuff like that. And all of their copy, it's got direct response. It's, it's definitely direct response copywriting, but it's very heavily focused on um, you pull up to the beach and as you're walking to your boat, you feel the cool breeze blowing through the uh, hundred knit cotton shirt that shows that you're a yachter and you, you're a master of the seas. And it's all about you buy this product because it tells the world your values. It tells the world what you're all about. It tells the world that you're a master of the seven seas. It tells the world you buy this watch because it tells the world that you're a, uh, a diver and you go however many yards under the water or you buy this, this necklace because it tells the world whatever it is. And all of their copywriter, both, all of their copywriting, both of those two sites it's direct response copywriting. It definitely has the call to action. It has the, the stories behind it. It's got all of that stuff, but it's very heavily driven on when you buy this product, this is what you're telling the world. This is what the world thinks about you when they see you wearing this product. So um, I, don't, I can't think of any examples of other businesses that I think do it as well. And if the, if the listeners want a major lesson on how to do it right. Jay Peterman and Stour are two companies that their copywriters have just nailed the art of implementing what you're talking about today into their copywriting. Great examples. Again, the very fact, you know, you, you look at a lot of stuff, read a lot of books, fact that you can only think of two who are doing it really well. Now, uh, shows that there's a lot more room for people to do it. What I also want to point out is that it can be a little more subtle than that, too. And the example I came up with is probably more subtle if you're not going for a straight status symbol 
ranking on the totem pole kind of uh, approach. So imagine you're writing for a copy for a product called Happy Gut. It's a supplement. Happy Gut. I mean, makes your gut happy, right? Uh, you don't have the budget and the team who put together the Lincess ad with all the scene changes and scores of actors and extras, post-production, yada, yada, yada. So you write these two paragraphs. I used to dread going out for meals with a friend or my family because of the good chance I'd be embarrassed. I'd have to take an urgent trip to the bathroom. I've been taking healthy gut for two weeks. Now I have more confidence. I can go out with friends and family and totally enjoy the meal and being with them. Plus, I'm not getting those funny looks I used to get when I would suddenly have to excuse myself. Okay, simple story. No cowboys, no crowds of people. Just a woman telling her story simply and directly about getting together with friends or family for a meal at the dinner table. Notice that in the story, there's a lot more focus on other people, really, than on the narrator herself. She talks about being embarrassed before and not getting funny looks after she's taken the supplement for a while. But that all has to do with other people, not just her in her own self. It's subtle, but it's noticeable. And you can do this with nearly any product. You just have to stretch your mind and think, how are the results, the improvements I get with this product going to change the way other people look at me, speak about me, think of me for the better, and then work that into a story. So we've covered a lot of ground today, and I hope it's given you some ideas on how to use a really powerful tool in your toolkit, even if you've never used it before. Let's review a few key points. First, Vic Schwab says there are three things advertising can tell readers. What a product is, what a product can do for you, and what other people will say about you, think about you, and do for you because you use a certain product. Second, many products, even businesses, are built around the third reason. Uh, People who are very practical and utilitarian and results-oriented might not even think much of those businesses or might not even want to see it that way. But it's true. There are a lot of businesses that are and products built around what other people will think about the user. And third, brand advertisers are generally better at using the sales angle than direct marketers are, but it doesn't have to stay that way. doesn't mean we can't use it too. We can. And fourth, you have a tremendous advantage when you use this sales angle in combination with the copywriting tools you're already using. I want to add one point to that. A lot of times when we're writing, we have to know objections of who in my life or who in my prospect's life is going to need to, who are they going to have to justify this purchase to? Are they going to have to explain it to their wife? Are they going to have to explain it to their coworkers? Are they going to, are they going to be ridiculed by their peers? Is this something that they're concerned about? And so it's it's kind of the same thing. It's a little bit different, but understanding that, understanding, yes, my prospect does care about what people feel. And 
potentially if they buy this, it might have negative consequences on the people that they care about their opinions. And how do I address that in my copy as well? Uh, I think that that's something that we should also understand that this, uh, we do care about what people feel and we can't ignore that when we're writing copy. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. You know, one thing that occurred to me about, uh, this is kind of meta, um, uh, about the whole, the whole scenario, situation, environment. When you're writing direct response copy, you're quite often alone. You close the door, you're, you've shut out the rest of the world. There's you and the screen or the notepad or if you still use a typewriter, the typewriter, and you're imagining one prospect. And if you imagine other people, it's basically to know what the prospect's day is like. Um, and so we are more focused on that one-on-one -on -one relationship just in terms of how we're writing. Ad agencies, the branding agencies, they have tons of people around. They have creative directors, assistant copywriters, senior copywriters, copy chiefs, um, account executives, bartenders, all kinds of people that work there, right? And then when they go out and do a shoot, I mean, you've probably been on a, a sound stage. You know, there are all kinds of people there. There are grips and there are um, assistant directors and there are techs and there are makeup people and there's craft services, all that stuff. So people in the branding world are thinking about a much more social populated interactive world maybe than some of us you know malignant introvert types are yeah, absolutely and we you know have to use our prodigious imaginations to realize there's a different world than just the one we're imagining right now yeah david man a lot to think about and as always, always bringing parts of the conversation up that most other copywriters aren't even thinking about, let alone talking about. So thank you for that. Well, we like to talk about things that make people uncomfortable for their own good. <laughs> we do. Um, all right, man. Until next time. Actually, I think we have a special surprise. Oh, do we? Yeah. Next. Guy with a very high level security clearance coming on our show from across the pond all right i cannot wait for that listeners if you want to check out the next episode you got to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast head on over to whatever your favorite podcast app is look up the copywriters podcast make sure you're subscribed and uh, if you want to check out more episodes copywriterspodcast.com is the website until next time Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app so we can get into ears of more listeners. Thank you. Brought to you by the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.